Hi, I'm Fionn Wright, your China Dream coach for entrepreneurs and executives. Welcome to season one of the Your China Dream virtual summit. In this episode, we have Kai Li, who is an author and one of a new generation of entrepreneurs who has a business that runs exclusively on WeChat. Now, Kylie is not a foreigner, but she did study abroad, and she has managed to create such a meaningful and innovative project after a close call with death that I wanted to share her story as an inspiration for what is possible. Enjoy. Thanks, Kylie, for coming in today. Thank you for having me. Um, so I wanted to start with for the people who are watching who don't know of you or your work, mm -hmm. if you could do a quick self-introduction. Sure. Uh, so I'm a book author. Uh, I'm I am also a like entrepreneur. Uh, currently, I am having this startup called Sanshi um, Yishen. It's an online women university focused on educate one generation of Chinese women on how to live and how to love. Beautiful. Um, it's uh, we were talking a little bit before this, and it's, it's yeah. something I'm very passionate about as well. So I'm really happy to to talk to you about this. We haven't actually talked in a while, right? So it's great to catch up and see how you've grown. Because last time when we met, you know, you were focusing more on you just yeah, yeah. you just sort of released your book, and then you're yeah. sort of now sort of focusing on doing some projects. Right, right, right. Um, and it's great to see how that's evolved. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that's a little bit different about you than the other people that I'm interviewing is that you are actually Chinese, right? Right. Um, and so uh, one of the things. I wanted to do is also share Chinese people who've been abroad and have come back. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd love to hear if you can share a bit about, um, you know, where you lived abroad, um, what you learned mm -hmm. during that time, mm -hmm. and then why you returned to China. Mm -hmm. like, why did you come back? Mm -hmm. um, and then what was what was that journey like coming back after mm -hmm. having been abroad? Um, and then why have you why have you continued to stay? Well, I think when I was I studied in US, but it was a long time, many years ago when I was in college, I was undergrad. So um, that time, I think the most thing that I learned is, I think that all my friends there, like Americans, they are really um, follow their heart. They do what they really love. They're full of dreams. Like nobody would judge them, right? And then, like I studied chemistry that time. I absolutely did not like chemistry at all, but that was my parents' expectations. Like, you know, you have to be an engineer or, <laughs> or study economy and then, you know, make a lot of money to make us proud. So th I think that's most Chinese are, fa are facing even now, you know, they don't really follow their heart to choose what they exactly love. They even forget what, what their dream is. And then, but most of uh, the people that I met um, in, in West Country, in the US, everybody just followed their heart. I think that's really, when I was there, it's, it's, it's a shock for me, and also I learned so much from that, you know? So, I actually, I had a, after I graduated from undergrad, undergrad like after, after college, I actually I had an offer to become a PhD in chemistry. And then, you know, like, my parents probably would be so proud of me, you know, they can call me, oh, Dr. Huang, or I have a PhD in chemistry. But then, I think because I was highly influenced by my friends around there, they were always telling me, like, you know, why do you continue to study something you don't like? Spend another five years just to get a PhD in a major that you don't like. So that's actually when I, actually I had offer, but then I withdraw it. That's when I came back. So actually that was my journey, you know. But I, I feel so grateful that I had this experience that always remind me to, you know, just always keep the dream that I have. Just never let, any, any, just never live for others. You know, like 
Steve Jobs said, like, don't settle until you find it. I think I always, always know what my dream is, but it just sometimes it takes courage to not listen to other people, not to meet other people's expectations, just really follow what I'm really passionate about. Yeah, I'd love to, to follow that thread, right? yeah. like what you're passionate about, um, and hear a bit about your story in terms of like why you decided to write the book first, mm. and then you, how you started to develop the Project 30, that yeah. whole idea, um, and then how you developed your most recent business. Like, If you could tell us a bit about how did that how did that happen? Right. I think when I was, um, I think one of the things that I learned in in US is that that people do things for fun or for joy, for uh, for helping people for some like really good uh, purpose, not just for uh, like for money or for certain like level of desire. So when I was start to write this book, I didn't really have any expectation. That's totally what I learned, right? If I put this idea down, if I just do things uh, with no expectations, I just do things for, for, for love or for fun, for joy. And I realized I feel so, like I enjoy so much on the each process. And then when you let it go, sometimes you can just have it. Is this my true experience? So when I started writing this book, I didn't even know I'm gonna have a book. I was just blogs. I was <laughs> I was writing some things, and then that that project was just a fun project came up among friends. We're like, oh, it's fun. Let's just do it. So so this completely have, had no expectations, and I I start to write. And I think it's one of the important things is that you start doing it. But not with all the baggage of how much you're gonna achieve, right? Just for fun, for joy. So I start doing it, and as like like through every day when I start to write, I feel like oh I want to write more. It's so much fun, and then I feel like why I never started before, right? So like after like day maybe 15, I feel like wow, and look back. Like I wrote almost like 5,000 words every day, and then it's already my friends are like it's all, oh it's already like half book you finished just in half month. So I was like, wow, you know, I feel really, that moment I feel like, oh, okay, maybe it's possible to become a book. So I still don't have that much expectation because I enjoyed it so much, you know, I was totally in the moment, in the present, uh, was doing that. But after 30 days, I can just see how much I've already done in the past 30 days. A book, the first draft is out. Of course, later I spent two years at it, and then a lot of still a lot of things, and then but you can just see, like, with no expectations, just enjoying every bit of the process, uh, the universe will just give the best gift to you, which you don't expect. But I feel so grateful that I start with no expectations and enjoying the every now moments. To hear about how you sort of found your niche. Mm -hmm. like how did you come upon this idea? Um, and tell us a little bit about the technical side. We were talking about it beforehand, but just to give people an idea of what it is that you've created. What is this um, this this uh, sort of mini app that you talked about? And you know what exactly is a mini app for people mm -hmm. watching who might not know? Um, and how we use communities and groups, um, and how has the business model kind of evolved over time? Okay, so um, I think I always tell people that I'm kind of I was kind of pushed to this way, but maybe the subconscious, the inner self, already decided this road, but it's just my my mind and never like realize catch up in a faster way. So at the beginning, I start writing this book, 
I had no expectations, but you know, after you accomplish something, you just feel a great sense of, of accomplishment, right? So I, at that time, I was telling myself, wow, this is my first book in my life, right? I want to I wanna tell my friends and spread the word. And then I'm kind of proud of what I wrote in the content. I think it helps me, it helped me grow to find self-love in the end of the journey. And I want to tell more people. So I went to Amazon US. I self-published it at the beginning. I remember that was uh, a new year. I wrote emails to all my friends and said, hey, can you like, you know, write me a good comment and uh, you know, this is my first book, I really need your support. So I got about 50 like really good, um, my good friends like support me. But I forgot this whole thing, like I let it go. I just feel like, oh, it's, uh, it's I feel it's meaningful and I don't really expect anything. But then somehow like uh, there's uh, one of the organizers in, in TED Shanghai contact me maybe after three or six months. She said, hey, you, you know, like I read your book and I think it's Fantastic! Can, can you do a TED talk? You know, on on one of our conference. Oh, I said sure. So I spent. I still didn't have any expectations. I was working so hard to practice speech. It's just because mainly because I was so nervous. I've never done any speech in front of people that many people, and it's on TED. It's huge, I think. So I worked really hard during the process to really tell the people the story that I've been through and how to really find your passion and get out of confusion in life. So, and somehow that TED talk went viral. It was all of a sudden that I, I really didn't expect that. So that's when, when it's like went viral and the next day their publisher contacted me for paper pack of the books and then my social media got so many followers and so many people it's just over one night just thousands of thousands of people come to follow me ask me questions want to work with me so this is all of a sudden like i think already like almost two or three years after i finished the first draft so i think like another thing is that being patient is so important sometimes things don't just you know, happen over one night. It takes time. So this is one of my biggest learning as well. So my second phase of this career is I kind of become a KOL, you know, like a blogger as a KOL on social media. And I work with a lot of brands and then, you know, the so many brand in, brands endorsement, you know, become one of those, you know, I write articles for them or use them stuff, <laughs> wear their clothes and take photos and they pay me and my follower will, will, will actually, you know, know that brand. So this is my second phase. I was highly focused on social media. That is a uh, uh, in, in WeChat. Um, that was my second phase of the career. And then I think by doing that, there's one moment in my life I still, I kind of, I kind of, I don't feel really happy. You know, when I'm about 30 years old, like 29, 30, I just feel like something is missing, you know? People like think I am living in a fabulous life, you know? All the fashion brands that give you free bags and free clothes and you go to all those cool events and then people treat you like a VIP all the time. You have a lot of privilege. And then there's a one year that I remember it was a tw uh, 2016. I was in the Uber car, and then the, the Uber driver was like crossed the red lights, and then we ha I had a terrible car accident, almost died. That was really, really I think that was most like trauma moments in my life. <laughs> but it's, it's over now. But that moment I realized, mm, 
that three months when I was laying on the bed, I realized what really matters in life. I realized those people I get to know in, I don't know, like entertainment industry or fashion industry, they're not really me, you know? And then those people I met, they're not really my friends, my real friends, you know? That's the moment I really see what's most important in life. I, I have this sense of something bigger than me, you know? I feel like in the past, you know, like from being nobody to become a, a, a KOL on social media, have all the privilege. I mean, I become, I have to say, I, I become, I, I took myself too serious. You know, I become a little bit, like, even like a little bit arrogant, I take it granted, I, I think I'm big, you know, it's not really humble or down to earth. And I realized, wow, so the universe will take everything back. If I don't cherish it, I don't get down to earth. I don't, you know, do something meaningful um, with all the resource and privilege I have. If I just enjoy myself to satisfy my own desire, it's it, they're gonna take it back. The universe is gonna take it back. You know, <laughs> they're gonna take it back. And then that moment, I feel like okay, that it took me a long time to, like six months to really, like back, get back to work and to adjust myself to down to, to get to down to earth again and then that was the moment me and my partner we we actually we, we met many years ago but then we start to talk about the personal growth and and how to be really fulfilled in life and happy you know forget about those fancy things and life so that's when we brainstorm we had this idea um, about this woman university to really help more women to live in a more fulfilled and happier life. So that's a whole, uh, I, I think that's the almost four years period. Um, that's how I transit. And uh, also like when the person, personal self transit and change, I think the business, the things they're doing are changing as well. You know, it's always follow the personal journey. You mentioned there one big sort of problem you encountered, the car crash, right? yeah. something you cannot um, yeah. anticipate mm -hmm. or, or, or plan for. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm wondering if, if you wanted to elaborate on that and how you sort of worked through that or dealt with that, um, and or if there's any other sort of difficulties or challenges that you've encountered over the last few years trying to build this business mm -hmm. um, that you could share in the example and, and how you overcame it. I think one of the challenges that I had at the beginning is how to build a team. I think you definitely cannot do a big thing just by yourself. Um, and then at the beginning, I was my partner and I were talking about you know like okay if we're gonna build a team right we're gonna invest a lot of money and then our cash flow or not at the beginning are not that good you know how we can avoid risk. Um, but also find the people can help us. We, we've been struggling this for a long time because every time I told her, let's just take the risk, let's hire a team, and then let's see how far we can go. And she's like, okay, it's too risky. We don't have to. We don't have the capability to do this right now. So what to do? So we, we kind of find a, a balance. We like basically we have like 20 assistants right now, the assistant teacher right now, but they're all part time. At the beginning, I was so worried. I was like, part-time, are you kidding me? Part-time will never do things serious, right? They come and go, and then, and then you know, it never works. But she's been like, very positive. She said, okay, first, we're going to interview the people, see if 
she's a responsible people and we can assign the person you know certain amount of work if, if we can like okay, like tell the task assignment really clear with the deadline and everything we can definitely manage that and then turns out it works it really works so now like People know that I have this startup, but if I tell them my partner is in Seattle, my team are all part-time, all over the world, and we basically communicate online on WeChat, I don't even have an office, I work home, people are going to think I'm joking, you know, they don't think I'm a serious entrepreneur, but it's actually working. I wouldn't say that in the future I will have an office or like a full-time job, people, I, maybe I will, but currently with a transition until we get on a higher level of the business or next step i think it's a perfect balance right now and everything works so well and then the assistants we have used to be our students they to be honest we don't even pay them much but they all have the sense of bigger costs they like because they learn so much and transform so much in this platform you know along the way they just feel like so responsible or like they are just so willing to give as well so it's not just about money, it's about a whole community, a whole whole group of people have this bigger cause. You know, sometimes you know they even work harder than me and I feel bad, you know, like I'm gonna catch up, you know. So that's that's very special and something I really cherish. Um, that's one of the challenges I was facing at the beginning. I guess our enterprise is just very special in a way. Um, yeah. Think a bit deeper into that because I think you've created a very um, interesting business model, mm -hmm. right? Um, and this is what's interesting about the modern world too, right? Like we have the internet, we have WeChat, and we can build platforms that don't necessarily need physical spaces anymore. Mm -hmm. like you don't have to have an office. Yeah. Your people can be all over the world, exactly, um, and they can have a certain amount of freedom and flexibility. Mm -hmm. And and so just just to dig into a little bit in terms of like your partner is in Seattle, mm -hmm. right, in the US, mm -hmm. you guys don't even sort of meet each other very much, um, but yet you've created this business together. Yeah. Um, what, what sort of advice would you have for people who are thinking about like the internet or WeChat and how they can build something on these platforms mm -hmm. um, without necessarily having to set up like a, a big business mm -hmm. and invest a lot of capital. Mm -hmm. Like you started very lean. Mm -hmm. right? So what advice would you have for people who are, who are thinking about moving in that direction but they don't know where to start? I think people, I think, I think that's the advice basically for all entrepreneurs in a startup. And most people, they think they either do it or not do it. Like there's only two ways. If they do it, they're going to give up everything and <laughs> Put everything, invest everything heavily in there. For us, like I think, um, I think for any experienced entrepreneurs, they know that there's no way that you can put a seed to become a tree over one night. And also, it's highly risk, risky to really give up everything you have to do the things you're really passionate about. Because I got this question a lot. Like people say, okay, I don't like my job. I like. I don't know photography. How can I become a full-time photography? You know, I feel so hard to start. I said it's not like a black and white choice. You don't have to give up the job now. Maybe you just spend like two hours every day to do photography, and then along the way, just like I start to write, you feel like you have more skill, you learn more, you have more passion about it, and then you move maybe to three hours every day or four hours until you have the capability or skill or. Um, more clients or more works and then you can now you can give up your work and then do the things so for WeChat and internet you mentioned that 
Like basically, I think it's the whole concept that if they want to start something, they find all the free or cheap resources they have now to start first, right? You don't have to be like have a full office and a full time inter like employees over one night. That's why when people like try to start find investment at the beginning, I always say like. Why do you need that much money right now, right? Like you start doing it, you start have the data, and the investment might come along the way. So, this is my advice. Like WeChat Internet are really available everywhere. They're cheap resource, and then you can leverage them. You know, like you can just have some people help you. You create a group of uh, group chat. You don't even need office. You you can just there's so much like a free apps and you know to for the task management office management you can just use them you know and then you don't even need to rent office there <laughs> just start with lean with small and see how it goes and do not think too big at the big well you you can dream big you can think like big but you gotta you know start with small and really down to earth step by step. Tell us a bit more about um, the specific sort of um, the way that you've set this up on WeChat, right? Because it's it's a business model that I think is starting. I've seen more people starting to move into yeah. this area, but also it's it's new, right? Mm -hmm. Because many apps are new, and yeah. the idea of making money through groups is also kind of new. Mm -hmm. um, so. Can you tell us a little bit about like what is that combination of groups mm -hmm. and mini app and how did you create a business out of that? So I think for for us the the mini app is for the because at the beginning oh I want to tell this story at the beginning we don't have mini app why we set up this mini app at the beginning we life coach we give uh, students in the group chat because group chat is the cheapest way and the most accessible. Um, tools that we have, right? So we recruit students, we drag them in this uh, group chat, and then every night, me and my partner, we give online live course every day. Until like after maybe six months or like eight months or almost a year, we feel like we're repeating the same course again and again. You know, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's a waste of our time, but maybe there's some tool that we can use to replace our like doing the same thing. So that's why we came up this mini app. The mini app, uh, it's like it's like an app, but it's embedded in WeChat. So people use WeChat can easily to get this app inside of it. Actually, I would say mini app is a trend now, because app is you know app is outside of WeChat. The people using WeChat all the time. They don't really want to have so many apps in their phone, right? The storage issue and everything. So, but mini app doesn't really take much space. It's in the WeChat and then it's easy to, to access. So um, it's lighter. And then for, for, for social media people, we don't even have to need that much like marketing promotion cost for a actual app that burns so much money. So back to what we're saying, I said like starting from lean small, it's very important. You try to find it like you know like all the free and then cheap resources as as much as possible to help you build this business so for the things that you can replace by the technology we develop the mini app that people can go on to listen to the courses which is the same over and over again then me and my partner we then we don't need that much time to spend like two hours every night to do the same thing again we can do something else if uh, students have specific personal questions and we can do case study in a group chat we can really engage people more so we can do something more like something that 
the technology cannot replace th this kind of thing. Um, you mentioned a little bit earlier about uh, building a team being a challenge. And I think that that's a challenge that I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs here, in China especially. Um, how can you develop a team, create a team here in China um, that works, right? So if you're thinking about hiring, how do you find the right people and then how do you keep them? I think for me, I am extremely, extremely lucky to have my partner who is a psychologist and then who can see people just through their brain, right? So she knows like what a person needs, what kind of person she is and and like, you know, at the beginning, um, I, I told you we don't even pay that much, but now each month they can get like few hours with the session with me or my my partner. If they have any like life or personal issues, we can just help them to to tackle it. So this is something that really care they really care about. I I I would say like in each organization, people probably have different needs, right? Some people need money, more money, or some people need more like. Uh, personal development and for us like because most assistants are used to be our students and then the needs for personal growth and to become happier is something that they really care about they don't even care about that much money although we pay of course we need to pay right one of the things that we learn from our experience is even people want to like do things free for you never take it you know it's, it has to be it has to be because it's a business. It has to be something to give and something to take. Other people, otherwise, people will never take serious. So, as because we know their uh, fundamental needs in their life, so we continue to give them a lot of personal growth. I believe in a lot of big organization, big company, they also have this. I don't know, admin or HR um, department that people doing a lot of personal growth. But it's, for us, it's more intimate, more like a personal life, you know, because we believe if the person's personal life gets better and then her mode or like her, the way she's doing business will be different. So this is something that we, uh, for us to, how to build a, this team that we deeply care about their personal life and a personal spiritual growth. So you know, people want to find out more about your work. Um, they want to check out your content. Uh, how can they find you? Um, and then also, if they'd like to reach out to you personally, what's the best place to find you online? And, uh, and what kind of people might be reaching out? I, I think um, if, if they want to reach me out, they can find me on my official account. They can leave me a message there. I reply. I read them every day. It's called San Shi Yisheng. It's our university official account. But I have uh, my personal social media account. It's called Kali the San Shi Yisheng. So on that platform, we do a lot of fun 30 days experiment. It's still going on, and then that's actually where we drive the first uh, traffic into our platform. So thank you so much for coming. Thank in today. you for having me I today. I really appreciate the time. Thank you, thank you, Fion. Um, as an internet or WeChat entrepreneur, maybe there's a new term now. WeChat yeah, entrepreneur. Right? As a WeChat entrepreneur. Um, and all the changes that are happening in the market here all the time, right? the speed of business in China yeah. in general, but specifically in the tech area. Mm. Like, so all these new sort of, whether it's new types of mini apps mm. or new ways of integrating mm. mini apps, um, how do you keep up to date? How do you keep up to speed with everything that's going on? Um, 
how do I keep up the speed? Well, I have to say that we don't really keep up the speed. I think one of the most important things that I learned, and also my business partners kind of dragged me down, because I am a really fast person. When something happened, I react and then really fast, and I want to like always be the fattest, and then uh, I want to. I used to want to company grow so fast in a certain amount of time, but I realized that because I also along the way I met a lot of other entrepreneurs. I feel like sometimes the faster you become the more disaster and troubles you're going to bring to your life or the business. So sometimes it's very important to not really act inside because outside is changing. So that actually, especially when outside the environment change, for example, maybe more WeChat policy and whatever, you got so anxious, you, you want to change this and change that. And a lot of people, a lot of other entrepreneurs, they just change your core at all. So for us, we are on this edge to, to, to change because like there's a certain moment in our business, there are a lot of uh, investors like talk to us, we're like, oh, we're going to get a big capital, we're going to grow so fast in the three year plan, 10 year plan. But then I realized, we realized that everything, every choice behind, there's a cost, right? There's no free pie like there. So for us, we, we were facing this like choice. If we take that big capital, how the content, how our company gonna become? So, we, so for me, I I really enjoy what I'm doing now. Create the content, you know, do the personal growth. When I self transform, I share the story. I think I'm a good storyteller. I I influence people. That's something I really enjoy. But if we take that capital, that time, it's gonna become a capital game. As a CEO in a company, I probably won't have time to do the. Uh, creative content anymore. I'm gonna be <laughs> like uh, you know socialized with a lot of like investors and uh, n not doing the things I really like anymore. And also, I know also know a lot of other like um, startups because they take the capital too early, and they are really bring the business to some like some the directions are orange like totally different from their original heart. So I think that's a big, big problem. So you said like how to keep up the speed. I said like no matter outside environment, how they change, if the core is there, just don't panic and then you don't have to react so fast, you know, just things up and down. As long as the core doesn't change, it's stable there, you, you have nothing to worry about. Because even outside, you know, the technology change, it's just a platform change. It's just the form change. The inside never change. Before the Facebook, now the WeChat. The content doesn't change. Before the books, now the ebooks. And what changed, right? Nothing changed. So for people who are looking at the market from outside and they're thinking about, you know, they see China growing really quickly, they see the opportunities, they see the, the, the tech ecosystem here, um, and they kind of think like, how do they take advantage of that? But at the same time, there's, there's a lot of people in the market, stuff moves quickly here, and it's highly competitive. Um, so what would you say, in your opinion, are some of the untapped opportunities that still exist here that people mm. can tap into? Well, for me, like, I think Western countries definitely have so much good content, so much like design and, and everything, and there are definitely so many opportunities to, to, they can bring in, in China. But the thing is that I think um, 
they really need to understand uh, coming from a, a a branding like insights background I think they really need to deeply understand what Chinese really think what's really in their mind you know what's the insights behind because people could think differently right if we're talking about women for example um, I told you earlier that our target consumer are people who are serious about to change but interestingly in our data we have students from 18 years old to 48 years old but interestingly the highest the peak paid customers are women in 29 so you know like if for western people they will be wondering oh why are women 29 paying the most right but in china as a chinese you know clearly when you're hitting the 30 but not 30 yet how anxious you're gonna be right if you're not getting married you don't have kids oh my god is this like <laughs> The most anxious thing in the world you're gonna die the parents gonna kill you if you're not getting married so the anxiety come from that the eager to, to change or to, to is coming from that so if you tackle those people you provide the products exactly what they want of course they're gonna pay it of course they're gonna be your loyal customers so I think no matter what kind of customers you are targeting you have to understand insights here I think that's one of the most important things so how can people begin to get a better understanding, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're Chinese, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a certain amount of like, it's just part of your culture. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you went abroad for a while and then you came back. And yeah. um, how can people begin to get an insight into Chinese consumer thinking? I think one of the things as every entrepreneur needs to learn is the marketing research. You know, like you buy, uh, you know, um, I think learn a little bit of marketing research or hire some professionals to help you to, to uh, based on your products to, to do a certain target consumer insights research are so important because otherwise you can do you know like for us you need to understand why and then, and, and then insights first and, may, and then come up with a, a product but most of the time people are doing in the wrong way in another way I have the product first how am I going to fit in this market but it might be this product doesn't really make any sense, you know, no, maybe nobody needs it. But even if you already have the products, doing the marketing research and understanding insights can really adjust maybe your brand image or, you know, how you promote your brand. So it really depends on how to start doing it, I think, and learn some marketing research tools, you know, like you interview me now or you talk to the people, it could be your target consumer to understand what they really uh, need in their life. Well, in the end, I think it might be just personal skills, you know, to, to see and to listen, to understand. That's very important. For someone who's coming into the China market today, uh, without experience, without uh, whether it's running their own business or maybe even experience in China at all, uh, they're coming in fresh, um, or perhaps even they've been here for a little while but they've never run their own thing. Mm -hmm. uh, what what advice would you have for people in that position? It's like, how do they even start? How do they even start? You mean like a startup? Like yeah, it could be. So for example, if they're looking at China, they're seeing the growth here and they're thinking about how they can leverage that growth to build something themselves. Mm -hmm. um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a startup. It could be building their personal brand or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Um, how do they make that transition from either being abroad to coming into China and starting something up or being here and working here and thinking about how do I make that transition? Mm -hmm. like one of the interesting things you talked about earlier was was like not going black or white, right? Mm. Like not just dropping what you have, yeah. right? 
Um, but a little bit more specifically about, about China mm -hmm. and about starting here. Mm -hmm. What advice would you have for someone in, in that position? Um, so we were talking about not black and white to start with being small. The other thing I was talking about to really understanding the the local culture and the people, uh, the consumer here, and and then um, I think it's very important. I think I still want to emphasize on the understanding the market demand is very important because in Western country the 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 tools are are a lot the professional tools, especially you know like. Most uh, marketing research firm that I know, a Western co like company, and then they have so much this kind of strong and professional tools to understand. For Chinese, I think one of the things we lack of, except uh, you know, let's not talk about creative side. The things like, for example, the marketing research thing, I don't see many Chinese people are doing that. You know, China are some place do not really have that much rules. <laughs> There's things there, the demand there, I quickly come up with products I sell. I think for a Westerner, if you have a better sense of, of like this kind of professional tools or the way that you can uh, uh, do the marketing research and then understand insights, I think that's gonna help a lot. You know, it's, it's not like, mm, otherwise it's, it's very difficult because we're talking about the speed here, we never compare with Chinese. <laughs> you, you never compare compare with Chinese. Chinese are always fast. There's a thing I start to sell. I make a bunch of money. Done, right? And then before Westerner, that you, if you can, you know, I I don't think the advantage is the speed, but more maybe professional or just more like uh, serious tools and professional tools that you can bring here. It seems very related also to the concept you were talking about of having the core, mm -hmm. right? Like, not trying to do things too quickly or reacting to the market, yeah. but having something solid, right? Yeah. The market will move around you, will change yeah. around you, the tech will change, yeah. but if you have that core the tools, then, right? and the tools yeah. to be able to measure what exactly that core should be, yeah. then it's, it's, it's not about doing it quickly, it's about saying, well, what's my longer term? Yeah. Where do I actually want to go with exactly. this? And how can I use those tools and get a better understanding of right. the population to deliver to them exactly. what they need? And then if they know Chinese will be a plus, right? <laughs> because it's not an English com uh, country. And if they can have, what if they can like find someone they trust, like me, find my partner, you know, like who understand deeply understand the Chinese market will be fantastic as well. This is a very specific question, but for, for Chinese people who are abroad, who have maybe studied abroad and started working abroad, and they're seeing China grow and they want to come back into the market here, um, what advice would you have for people in that position? Uh, should they come here and get a job? Should they try, like your business partner, to find someone here and sort of start developing a business from the outside? Mm. What would you recommend? So I think uh, China right now, maybe in the next 10 years, will be so many startups because I think it's very new for China. China is like the new Silicon Valley in Asia. I mean, as I was, I was talking about in that in in this interview, I was. I was telling them that I think right now, this age in China, as long as you have like a dream or a good ideas, uh, and as long as you start doing it, you're gonna make it because there's so many opportunities, and then you, you know, like people, people are ready to have them. People are so willing to take them. It's different compared with 10 years ago, you know. And then for this generation, especially born after 80s. 
like a lot of Chinese and also the Chinese been aboard and they want to come back. I think they are full of dreams, they are full of ideas. I mean, they can definitely, for those people who live aboard, they, they've been explored like so many great ideas, the tools, the maybe even the creative side, they can definitely bring it back. And I think for them, the advantage is that they know the Chinese market, they have the insights, they understand the culture, they speak Chinese, and also they've been aboard, they, they saw everything there. It's just, it's even easier for them to start in China. No matter if you wanna find a job here or you wanna create something here, I think it's a massive amount of opportunities here for them. So if people want to find out more about your work, um, they want to check out your content, uh, how can they find you? Um, and then also if they'd like to reach out to you personally, what's the best place to find you online? And, uh, and what kind of people might be reaching out? I, I think um, if, if they want to reach me out, they can find me on my official account. They can leave me a message there, I reply, I read them every day. It's called Sanshi Yishen, it's our university official account. But I have uh, my personal social media account, it's called Kali De Sanshi Yishen. So on that platform, we do a lot of fun 30 days experiment. It's still going on and then that's actually where we drive the first uh, traffic into our platform. So thank you so much for coming Thank in today. you for having me I today. I really appreciate the time. Thank you, thank you.